0: Hello and welcome to Pasting eh.
1: Casting Nets Casting Podcast.
0: Nets. Or Posting Nets. Posting Nets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all excited and not terrified enough, I guess. Um, I am joined with my host. I'm Pastor Dave Rudot, by the way. Uh, This is going to be the worst introduction I have ever done. So all my other introductions that you'll ever see are going to be better than this one. So this one, just bask in it, dear listener. This is the worst one ever.
1: And if they can see it, that would be Amazing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> see what
1: because you said if this is worst i'll ever see
0: oh <laughs> worst yeah again right chalk that up into the bad podcasting introductions i am pastor dave rudot i am i always look forward to fridays not because i get to go out with my friends or anything or spend time with my family uh, which that means I, I kind of do. Friend. I do kind of <laughs> spend time with my. Fi- I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's Friday, and you know how things are on Friday. You just want to do something fun, and doing the podcast with Pastor Will Harley, who is my uh, cohort here today, is a lot of fun for me as we study God's word, as we talk to one another, as we uh, share um, thoughts that we've got, and just uh, throw some thoughts against the wall and see if they stick. And today we're going on to another one of of Paul's pastoral epistles, the book of Titus, one of my favorites of the well one of my favorites, I only have 3. So this is this one I think is my favorite and then 2 Timothy is number 2 and 1 Timothy is number 3. What about you? What's your ranking, Will,
1: of the pastoral epistles? Yes. Uh, pastoral epistles would have to be um I very much enjoy 2 Timothy. That would probably be been my number 1. Um, then first Timothy and like I told you before at the the onset of the I, I've read I think Titus three times and I've never discussed it ever um so this will be a, a good experience for me because I kind of avoid Titus not because it's not God's word it is God's word and it has rich blessings but I've I guess I've I've gravitated towards like I said second Timothy or first Timothy predominantly
0: well, that's the wrong answer will uh yeah. the wrong answer the right answer is every book is your favorite book. well
1: it is I have 66 favorite books. So,
0: so you can't rank them.
1: I can't rank them, although I do.
0: But um, you did that just to humor me. I, I did. appreciate
1: that. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. And 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 I think, you know, I mean, even though you do not consider me a friend, because you said on Fridays, <laughs> I don't get to hang out <laughs> with, with friends dad. or family, but you get to do this. Um,
0: <clears throat> I said, like, everything wrong in the introduction. <laughs> everything I didn't intend to say is what I said.
1: But but I'll just, uh, to be honest, you know, my, my, if I'm going to be dealing in the Old Testament, I'm not dealing, and if I'm not... If I'm not in the Gospels themselves, I'll be honest, my two go-to books that I love the most are Romans and Ephesians. Um, I know uh, Luther is probably rolling over in his grave saying, Galatians, Galatians, Galatians. Um, And and Galatians is wonderful, but I, I love Ephesians because... Uh, uh, Ephesians has so much in there for families as well as 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 our life in Christ, um, and I love Romans because it's a catechism built in there. Um, but if you're talking about a pastoral epistle, which you're you're narrowing my scope from sixty six to three, uh, yeah, Second That's Timothy, you- First Timothy, then then Titus. Um, but we get to talk about Titus, and maybe you'll change my mind. Perhaps, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll change my mind. And
0: dear listener, you would be a witness to that. So if there's anything that we say today that offends you. And Will's already clicking on. Then we
1: have done our Our job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That Will's already clicking on to the next podcast because he thinks I didn't call him a friend. Um, And. (laughs) He's never going to listen to this one. He's like, I, I can't take it. Whenever Beth, Dave says anything about me not being a friend, I'll just be shattered. I won't be able to You know, to I do. On.
1: I do. I go back and I listen to these podcasts because I like to learn from my friend, Dave. And sometimes, like he said last podcast, I don't listen to his words, but I do. I just don't listen to him as he speaks them. I go back and I re-listen, and then I learn from him. And and now, I don't know. I, I just, I feel... Out in the cold, I, I I do.
0: All right, well, that'll be my goal today, <laughs> is to make Will feel that he is he is uh, someone that I appreciate spending time with, and appreciate his thoughts and his uh, take on God's word. Uh, anyway, we're getting around to something here. Oh, a disclaimer that we're going to talk about today. If you have anything that we uh, say today that uh, um, upsets you in, in any way, first of all, we encourage you to reach out to us and talk to us. What what exactly was it that we, was offensive? Maybe we need to be corrected. Uh, obviously, I've been corrected like 50 times already in this introduction um, and not opposed to that. Neither is Will. Uh, as we go to God's Word, we're of free, we're we're people that recognize that we are fallible, but we are also people who hold up God's word uh, because it talks to us about Christ, and Christ is really the the main driver of our podcast. That we uh, that we talk about our our tagline for the podcast is living uh, live. I I can't even get this right. Uh, real life, living faith, which is found in Christ. So anyway, if there's anything that you uh, uh, are upset about, please ca- reach out to us. Our most of our listeners who uh, talk to us are people who actually talk to us on worship on Sundays or outside of worship. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. I got that right. You did. One thing right. Facebook.
1: Uh, 100- they can hit <laughs> us on Facebook.
0: Facebook. Uh, Just smack Nets the
1: face on, on Facebook. The,
0: uh, smack the book on the face. <laughs> there you go. As you're going on Facebook. Um Anyway. So here we are and, and that's our disclaimer for today. You are certainly welcome to listen to another podcast, but, but don't we, but please don't because this is really it's one of my favorite books. So let's go through the Book of Titus together. As you read the book of Acts, you'll find somebody's name is missing from the whole book, and that name is Titus. Titus doesn't come until after the book of Acts and the other books of the Bible, and Titus is found on the island of Crete, and Will has done some research on the island of Crete so tell us about Crete Will so
1: you, you see <clears throat> that's one thing about Titus that I, I like because we have a, a reference to an island that goes back into my uh, beloved area of study I love ancient um, study the study of the ancient world and Crete is one of those places where you have a really good study of the ancient world so <clears throat> um, originally the island of Crete was Minuin. Uh that's, that's the people that that uh, um, we're in that area at that time. Um, there are many images from the island of Crete that you see from the ancient world have bulls painted on them because they would have uh, the running. You know, you think the running of the bulls was something that happened in Spain, but it wasn't. It was, it was really started in Crete uh, where they would have these celebrations with the, the celebrations of the bulls and they would paint the bulls red um, and, and they would run through the town. Um, really beautiful culture in the sense that uh, in, in history, some of the, the greatest uh, architectural um, discoveries that we have of, of pre-Greek or Hellenistic um, um, establishments come from Crete. They had indoor plumbing. They had aqueducts. They had all these kind of really neat things uh, that were part of the, uh, part of the society. Well, the Minoans, they, they kind of go away um, when there is a, a volcanic. Uh, eruption that, that really disrupts their lifestyle. And then the Mycenaeans come in and they eventually take over the island of Crete. Um, and the, the Mycenaeans, of course, uh, link directly to the the Greek culture. Uh, and then when Rome comes in, they kind of take over um, and they they conquer the Mycenaeans, they conquer the Greeks that were living in um, Crete at that time. And they view, um, and oddly so, uh, the Greek or the the Romans viewed the people of Crete as a, a more barbaric society um, than the cultured Roman society, which I I, I don't know if, if that's a fair assessment. Um, going on into the into the idea of of Crete, um, we do have um, in the early century, uh, of, uh, early AD, um, I think up until almost six seventy. If I remember correctly, um, we have the establishment of Christianity in Crete, um, and and one of the the, the greatest uh, churches there is the the Church of Titus. Um, that is that it was remained there um, because he was the bishop uh, of the first bishop they said of of Crete, and that whole entire idea or the 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 civilization of Crete up until around six seventy. A.D. Is, is established until the Muslims come in and destroy it. Um, and they come in and they wipe it clean, and and it, it goes away.
0: That's an awesome story about the power of God's word. Here we have people who uh, society says these are kind of the lower ends of society. I know uh, Paul mentions how the rest of the society looks at the Cretans and says these are not uh, very nice people, they're not... Uh, um, what would you say? Or well, how Paul said they call them Cretans. Cretans, yeah, that's it. They're so bad that you just call them a Cretan, and that's all. And you And everybody need to
1: say. knows what a Cretan is. Yeah, it's so, some, even today, it, it, even today, we say, "Well, they're a Cretan," and we mean that they're bestial, right? It's the idea that they act uncivilized,
0: right? And here, the influence of Christianity has has brought um, has brought these people to that level. Where it reminds us of the power of God's word, um, and we would say, "Oh, uh, you know, this person is beyond help." No, they're not beyond help with with God's word. Um, so that's a well, that's a, a great story. It is, and we're
1: going to get to and actually, and I'm not going to jump all the way to it, but in verse twelve is going to give us a highlight as to what the popular opinion of the Cretans were.
0: That's what I was thinking <clears throat> of the liars, vicious beasts, and gla- lazy gluttons. Yeah, right.
1: Right. And, and, and again, I just want to go back because historically, the reason that they got that that, that epitaph or tagline is because they were a conquered people. Um, most of the, when the Romans came in, and and, and we and, and this is just a good historical thing, most of the time when the Romans came in and they conquered what was known as the Hellenistic, um, that would have been the Greekified areas, most of them didn't put up a fight when Rome came in and so they were amalgamated into roman society. in fact, roman society was heavily influenced by the greek greek society. but when you started when the when the romans started pushing north. And, and and by the way, just just as a side comment, um even jerusalem welcomed roman rule. um over uh, they they opened up the doors and they said come on in. um because well, uh, at you. first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's the idea that that as they went north they had more resistance and and the, the Cretans were or the people from crete were part of that resistance going further north.
0: Sure, okay. I think we have enough on that. I was trying to bring it back to God's Word because history isn't, I know it's a fascinating thing, but it it's, it's not about uh, God or Jesus, and so we want to get to God and Jesus. I thought it that's was kind of what story. this podcast is all about. I thought, I thought it, was, it was a good story. That's what no, I was saying. but history I was saying is it was his a good, story. <laughs> history <laughs> is his story, and that's what I said, <laughs> and then you went back <laughs> to the history of it. and I was trying to bring us in, into the Bible, but now I'm going to do that uh, and talk about Titus. And what do we know about Titus?
1: Just because it's your favorite book doesn't mean we have to talk about it. It's not my favorite book. It's my favorite of the pastoral epistles.
0: Okay, we're fighting about words. Didn't didn't we just talk about this in 1 Timothy 6? Um, Anyway, uh, Titus. What do we know about Titus? He's not mentioned in Acts as I mentioned before. He's mentioned in Galatians and 2 Corinthians and 2 Timothy, uh, which we're getting to. 2 Timothy is written after the book of Titus. Uh, He is a Gentile by birth. Perhaps he is converted during Paul's first missionary journey when he goes to Iconium, perhaps, um, or perhaps earlier than that in uh, Syrian Antioch. So he is uncircumcised, and he stays that way. Actually, he goes down to Jerusalem when there is this huge controversy about whether a Christian should be circumcised. Titus goes down to Jerusalem and says, not my body, my choice, basically, is what he says. No, that's not what he says. But he resists, that was in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, when Paul is talking about the whole controversy of circumcision in Jerusalem, he says not even Titus was convinced. So Titus was, in Paul's mind, was very much respected for his uh, stance on God's word and his ability to stand up for God's word, that Titus was not convinced. Even in the midst of, of being in Jerusalem, surrounded by all these Jews, he's a Gentile. He is not going to get, let allow himself to be circumcised. Wasn't
1: it almost though to the fact that Paul like encouraged him to remain so, um, just so that the grace of God could be seen that that it was for. I, I'm, am I missing? Am I?
0: Am I? Uh, yeah, you're I'm, combining. something. I may be
1: combining something. Because um, I know Paul did did defend that 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 those who are uncircumcised it's, it's okay um, that they should remain so so that they aren't falling into that and, and like I said I could be confusing my two or my occurrences and that's okay I'm not I'm not saying that it I'm right or wrong.
0: Um, it says First uh, Corinthians 2, uh Galatians 2, you know uh, Luther's favorite book no, yes. Harley but Titus who was with me was not compelled to be circumcised even though he was Greek. There you go.
1: Again, so saying what you said. Yeah.
0: yeah, saying what I said. Um, so that's, to me, as I, I'm reading this about Titus, I, my respect for him goes up. You know? so, And let me just be honest. When you have Timothy, and he talks about Timothy, and don't let people look down on you when, when, because you are young. When I was a young pastor, boy, those words really resonated with me, especially the encouragement and how to deal with the people in your parish. And, and how to to be faithful and, and to, to share God's word with them. But Titus is more of this guy that is more he's settled in his doctrine. He is settled in what he is doing. Um, he knows the scriptures and, uh, uh, that's the impression I get. this is my impression of it. Um, so I, I could be wrong on that. but just a, just a guy who is a little bit more solid in his doctrine and theology and in practice.
1: You know, and I like that idea of—I uh, actually like that idea, the concept, I should say, of what you brought up, that he settled in his doctrine. Um, and and I think there is some truth to that, because we, we try to do that with even our pastors when they come out of the seminary. We don't send them to contentious congregations, and I, I don't mean that in saying that congregations are bad, but we don't send them to congregations where there's a lot of things— Going on that are going to push them um, to to have to make hard and fast statements. We try to send them to congregations that are that are kind of stable and understanding because we we want them to become settled in their doctrine, right? Um, and 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 the, the idea of saying, okay, I have dealt with this, I have lived with this, I I have come to my own understandings within scriptures that this is true, and it's not just an intellectual practice. That this is now a, a life that I'm living. And and now they're sent to these areas of challenge, um, which is different than Timothy in many ways. Who is sent to a very established congregation under the auspice of John, because um, because wasn't he in Ephesus?
0: Yeah, John was in Ephesus, but we're not sure if John was there in Ephesus before Timothy, or after Timothy, or at the same time. Right,
1: but uh, but you had an apostle there who had kind of given some stability and 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 some you know what I mean. Um, whereas well, Paul
0: was there for a number of years as well, so there's that stable element as well.
1: Right. Um, whereas Crete, you don't have that. You don't have that stability of. Oh, and by the way, we had an apostle who kind of made this his residence for a good amount of time, and and brought us some of these things. Um, instead, you have you have you know Titus kind of getting thrown to the wolves. And 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 I and I think you're right. There's there's something to be said. He he was a, he was capable. He was a capable guy that understood, understood his scriptures and understood the gift of grace and understood Christ and and was able to share it and did well.
0: Yeah, he was someone who under, when we when Paul talks to Timothy about uh, appointing elders, someone he is not a recent convert by any means uh, of shape or form he's put in a position of authority he's put in a position of of establishing and putting in presbyters and uh, uh, so that would be elders and uh, overseers which they don't necessarily 100% match up with pastors because some of their duties and functions were different than ours because to be honest the duties of these uh we uh, duties uh the duties of these things of these these people aren't spoken so much as the qualifications of of a pastor or or of a bishop or overseer. Uh, What else can we say about Timothy of Titus? Um, He's a superintendent of the work in uh, in Crete. He was with Paul during Paul's final uh, imprisonment in Rome uh, when uh, Paul writes his second letter to Timothy, and... um, Tradition tells us that he became that bishop of Crete, like you were saying in that history before. So living, he was respected. Yep, living to a very old age. Um, that's what tradition tells us.
1: Yeah, and I, I think um, <clears throat> one of the things that we can we can highlight about Titus is is the fact that he um, was faithful. Um, and, and I think that, that comes back down to what we had been saying before, but not just faithful to the Lord, but faithful to the Lord's servants. Um, he was with Paul at the end, um, you know, 68, maybe, uh, when, when Paul was finally, um, uh, martyred and he, and yet Titus was there with him at that time, uh, as best as we can figure, uh, second Timothy being written around right before Paul passes away, um, and is martyred. <clears throat> so you have, you have this, uh, wonderful faithful man who knows his doctrine who understands his call to serve God's people, and now we have a letter, uh, a pastoral letter from Paul, to give this this wonderful worker some encouragement. So take it away. Let's start.
0: All right. So the the chapter one begins with Paul's reiterating why Titus is in Crete and kind of gives him his job. As he's there, he is supposed to you know put elders in in every city. He is supposed to make sure these elders fulfill certain uh, qualifications. And as you look at it, you see that it is really a summary of what uh, Paul says in, in 1 Timothy. It's not quite as in-depth as 1 Timothy, which kind of goes back to the idea of Titus might be a guy who's uh, who kind of knows this already, but it's, it, I, to me it's a good like, example of even though people know things or even though I know something, I can always go back and be uh, and review what I have learned, and review what's there in in God's Word.
1: So, just as a I, and and I want to get to to you know Paul's words to Titus as he gets into the letter, but maybe I, I kind of really because because Paul's introduction here is just slightly different than his normal introduction to his letters.
0: It's yeah, like the second longest. I think yeah. Romans is Romans is longest. So go ahead.
1: Um, and and I I want to say that you know he he really. He's really flushing out his his call and his I don't want to say authority, but but maybe that's the only word we can use at this time. You know, he he highlights you. So he says, "Paul," and he says, "A servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ." So he says, so he's really highlighting. This is my role. My role is to be a servant. My role is as one sent from from the Lord Jesus. And then he says, and I like this word for. So now he's saying, "What is my role? My role is this, but what am I here for?" I'm for the faith of God's elect, so I'm here to build faith. I'm here to to share share the word that is 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 the knowledge of God for the purpose of building faith. Um, and then he says, for the truth that conforms to godliness. So in other words, that that there is a truth. There there that that many different truths to whatever you want to believe, but there is a truth that is conformed to being that which God desires you to be. Right there there. There is not many different truths all leading to the same way. No, nope. there's one truth that conforms itself to, to God, um, and then <clears throat> it's based on on what it is based on an eternal life, a hope in that eternal life. It's based on, on 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 God who cannot lie, who tells the truth, whose promises are eternal. Um, I find that to be, you know, uh, how impactful in the very first lines of the letter. He says, <clears throat> "Okay, I am an, I'm I'm one sent by Jesus." and this Jesus is God, and I am a servant of him, and what he says is true, and his truth conforms to, to the very nature of being godly. And and so if this is our goal, this is the truth that we share, this is what we're going to do, and the hope for it all is, of course, that you would have eternal life in him, um, the one who is the truth. And then it's entrusted, right, um, in preaching. It's revealed in the word, entrusted in preaching, um <clears throat> that we would do this work, and then he goes on, and I think that's uh he he just very succinctly very succinctly says, Here is my job
0: and yeah, now here's your job now here's your <laughs> job <laughs> um anything else we want to say about the qualifications? we've talked about the qualifications for overseers and uh presbyters or or um um so are you bish- jumping to,
1: to to five immediately? Uh, um, yeah, immediately I'm to five um do we do we really want to bypass real quickly, um, or or with such such quickness, um, his epitaph to Titus?
0: My true child in the common faith, you, you. So you want me to go through this verse by verse? Will no, not verse you by verse. To, you I, I don't, don't want to just jump around to whatever you want to talk about. No, no,
1: I don't. And I'm not saying we had to go. Maybe it's. I mean, we've never done these things verse by verse. <laughs> but but I think that there is. I mean. Remember, and you I brought it up. I do tend to jump ahead.
0: But, I'll admit that.
1: But, but I, I think this is important because remember, you had brought up the fact that he is an uncircumcised. Okay, he's uncircumcised, and and oh, that, by nature of the Jewish faith, would place him outside of the promise, outside of the practice of faith, outside of the brotherhood uh, or the family of godly people. And what is Paul saying in the very first in in in, in verse four? and i think that's a that's an important feature
0: that is an awesome awesome point just the the acknowledgement of what 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 you did to yourself or what you didn't do to yourself has no bearing on the fact of how we're related we're related uh because of our common faith in jesus christ that's the important thing uh that's a yeah thank you for for doing that uh my true child it's a little bit i to me it's a little bit different than timothy where it because he calls uh timothy his son where Titus yeah there's this family relationship but I think there's just perhaps dear listener you you've caught it as well the uh the tone of respect for Titus in this in this section that tells us that Titus is a little bit more of a, an established pastor than Timothy was in the first letter to Timothy
1: right and, and I think that is that that that's part of and and, and so we don't want to gloss over this that that there is this respect there is um <clears throat> that 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 um Paul is not looking at Titus and saying, you are inferior to me because you are not uh, something physical, and yeah. you're not a Jew. He says, no, we are, we are on the same footing. We are in common faith. In fact, we are, uh, even though I may be older and even though I may be more uh, established in the ministry, um, I consider you to be a, a child of mine on the same vein in this ministry. So now we can jump to the rest of chapter one. And I'll let you guide us through how you want to discuss well, this. I won't right. even say anything.
0: It's, <laughs> you won't even say. I'll hold, no, no. I don't want to hold you to that because I really appreciate uh, the things that you that you say and you bring out. Uh, I did not even thought about my true child and the the how that must have affected Titus if if he was feeling like he was under siege because he wasn't circumcised. Um, yes, he he came to Jerusalem and he was surrounded by all the Jews there and he was pressured there to be circumcised and he would not do it um, it doesn't matter i think i think as for us as pastors i know for myself Sure, sometimes when when i'm standing up for a truth of god's word in one occasion i am like absolutely i'm standing on solid ground i won't be budged cuz this is what god's word says and somebody else comes and challenges me maybe a year or two later on that same truth and i'm still feeling like D- do i know this as, as as strongly as i i i I remember, I have a memory of me holding on to this truth very strongly in, in the past, but at this moment I'm feeling a little bit under attack and feeling like uh, under siege. So I, I appreciate that in Paul as he's writing to, to Titus, encouraging him uh, to do his job, which is to set up elders and, uh, um, in every city, in the city of, of Crete. Uh, the qualifications are very similar to what we have in 1 Timothy. I'm just reading in the So book. there is Go a ahead. difference. There is one. Which, where, there, where is it?
1: The difference is is uh, in, in the end of verse 6 um, where he adds something that I actually had a question and I want to toss out to you because he says, okay, to be the husband of only one wife, which is regular qualification, he says, and to have believing children who are not open to a charge of wild living or disobedience. That's not there in in the others. In the other pastoral epistles, and and when he's talking about the the idea of having children that are not disobedient. So my question is, and and this is maybe a valid thing to talk about. If our children, as they grow up, right, fall away, does that make a person disqualified for the ministry? And and I think that's that's, a, and I would say,
0: okay, you know, it's I, a little bit different than manage your household well, as we read in First Timothy, isn't it? Yes, it's more of a. They can't. uh, Your children are actually held to a standard of not wild living or disobedient,
1: right? And so, if your children are, or they, you know, how we all laugh and they say, "Oh, those are pastors' kids." Does that make us disqualified?
0: It all depends on who's making the charge. I think. Okay, isn't that isn't that really the? I think that's also part of the whole. When we talk about the qualifications for ministers, who's making the charge? Is it someone who is? Um, attacking the pastor because they don't like the things he has to say, or is it pastors who or people in the congregation? Since there's the council who has been called uh, to oversee their pastor, you know, church. Look at your church constitution where. Uh, it says right that you know the council has to be the one that to make sure their pastor is is following the confessions and has there's a mechanism there you got to talk to the pastor first you can't just uh, corner him in a voters meeting at the first time and say uh, pastor you're not qualify. you don't have the qualification for uh, the pastoral ministry they they go to that pastor in person and 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 so on before they bring that to as an open charge but so I, I, it all depends on who's making the charge, I suppose.
1: But I, I, I guess I would also just look at this because when you read first, when you read First Timothy, and you say he has to be a manager of his house, you'd you'd say, oh, thank God, because when I kick my kids out of my house when they become eighteen or after after high school, and then all of a sudden they fall away in their thirties, you're like, well, they're not a part of my household anymore. I love them, I still want to reach out to them, but I have no control over that, right? But the 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 problem that I have with with Paul's words to Titus is I don't think he gives you that out. He doesn't give you the out of, them. they're no longer living with you, so you have no control over them. He says, your children, you know, wild living in disobedience. Um, and and I'm not saying I'm right in this. I'm just saying it could be taken that way where, you know, would it disqualify a pastor if their children in their older years fell away from the Lord?
0: I think our major takeaway from this is for our congregation members to understand that a pastor spending time with his family is important. Uh, Where oh, I like that takeaway because <laughs> because we're our father. My father was one who was brought up that you know uh, the he was always he was married to his his work and his profession. The pastor's job is never done. There's always something to do, and there's never a time when we can just clock out and say. That's that's all I need to do today. Like I've I got to my 40 hours or my 50 hours or my 60 hours and now I'm done because there are th- things that I, we're, we're called to do. We there's a sermon on Sunday whether we're ready for it or not. Uh, there's, there's a Bible people, study. There's a Bible study that we're that we have to do whether we're ready for it or not. There's a funeral we have to do whether we're ready for it or not. Or there's a marriage we have to do. So there's so much of of our our task which is time consuming. And so much of our task that is hidden, that members would say, well, I don't know, I didn't know the pastor did this, and I didn't know the pastor did that. Um, but so you're ta-
1: saying that maybe this is uh, one of those, uh, maybe this call for for pastors to be able to say to their congregations and congregations to say, a pastor needs to have time to make sure his kids are in order too. And and some of that is time-consuming to do. Um, and it just calls to have more balance, right?
0: I, I believe so. I don't think we would... I, if we would just to say a well, pastor and make this only about a pastor is responsible for the Christian life of his kids when even after they live out outside the home, we're making this into something what which I think is not. It is not a uh, um, a fear or law based statement, but an encouragement for for us and for Titus that uh, those who are called to be pastors need to be people who manage their own family because. As we've talked about before, managing your own family has this. This is a skill set that you can use in the church as well. Part of they they both they scratch each other's back, so to sure. speak.
1: So I have another question for you in the list, <clears throat> and and you can defer if you don't want to to answer it. Um, in the list, it says he must be hospitable. So this is verse eight and, and,
0: and and this is serious. This is very, very serious. I'm sorry. I I think I know where you're going, but this is very serious.
1: Um, because I've, I've heard that there are some in, in our circles that have said, especially like if the pastor lives in a parsonage, that they have to be hospitable, which means, uh, your member has every right to walk into your house and you have to put up with it. Um, and and I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm I'm asking your opinion when 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 one of the qualifications of being hospitable is is listed for the pastoral ministry, uh, or for the or for one who works in the ministry. What is your takeaway on that? How do you see that?
0: Um, I would. It would also be on who's making the charge, whether the pastor is being hospitable. Oh, now
1: or you're um... always deferring back to who's making the. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: the the uh, I. Again, it's not hard and fast rules. It's a it's a character trait, isn't it? It's more of not like oh, pastor, because of this, he has, here's some rules we have to put down because in order for a pastor to be hospitable. But it's a character trait of that pastor that he is someone who is approachable, that you can talk to, that is, uh. So somebody that, who
1: is welcoming, but doesn't necessarily mean you have to be well. Because okay, so here's the situation, and I'll be honest with you. You know. Um, my my wife and I we love our church we love our congregation we love our people but my wife does not want my doesn't want all the people from the congregation always at my house um I am of the I am of the impression um that if you want to visit me you can come anytime if you want to visit my house you know schedule three months out um my wife is more of the opinion you know I would have no problems meeting them out at a park. <laughs> or or even outside in the yard or something like that having a bonfire but she she does not like having people always in the house and, and there's many reasons cuz you know we have dogs and there's this, the logistics of it but but i i look at that and i say you know are we are we not being hospitable if we don't do that and yet you know she's talking with everybody in church when they come and i'm talking with them and welcoming them when they come in church is that being hospitable
0: This is really a great discussion. Just because of the, and perhaps for our people as well, hospitality in the Bible, is it different than just having people inside of our houses than it is today? Is hospitality something more of reaching out to people and being like a lover of people, like a lover of souls, zalesorger, the German word for it? Um, Is that what's being talked about, or is this talking about actually having people inside your house because let's be honest people put a standard of pastors and their houses that is way too high this is a family that's living in that house don't expect that house to be uh like martha stewart's or you know better I, homes and gardens I house i wish right yeah uh, the, uh, p- pastors people god's people should recognize that how a pastor uh, puts his house together or how his house looks doesn't reflect anything on his character per se if that because we're we all have different personalities um maybe maybe god's people are putting our pastors on too high a pedestal and saying they have to have their house look like uh, better homes and gardens rather than a house that's being lived in a house of a family
1: well and and i and i think you 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 kind of mentioned it there too and that's something to be talked about is is and and this maybe goes back to now i'm gonna do what you did um Who's making the charge? You know, if the charge is, I got to get into pastors' home to see how much they have because I think we're paying him too much. It, wrong! Don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. Or if it is, every time I've asked pastor, you know, I would love to visit him, and and I only have certain times in a certain place, and and but he's never, he never is available to visit. Um, maybe that's something else, another discussion, right?
0: Right, or let's say a pastor. Um, uh, I can hardly see why anybody would do this because I don't. I don't think this is a sanctified thought. But hey, pastor is spending way too much time helping people in the communities. When has he ever helped me? <laughs> Cause here, you know, we're saying we're a pastor. A pastor should be hospitable. So he's dealing with people around him, dealing with the community, and saying, "How can I help you?" And that might be at the detriment of the members that he has in his own congregation. Sure. Sure.
1: it's just a thought. And and I'm thank you for the conversation because because I am I am I am one of those people. I love my people. I will do anything for my people within reason. Um but but I'm also one of those my wife says i I, I like to have that unplugged time where people leave me alone. And and sometimes I struggle with and, and personally I struggle with, am I still being hospitable? Um I, I I wanna say yes, but I realize that that maybe I'm not. Um all the time because I, I need to have that unplug. And and it's okay. And and from what I'm hearing from you, it's okay to sometimes maybe have that unplug and to say, this is my this is my space where—and and in some ways, I'll have to be—I spent nine years in a parsonage right across the street from the church. Sort of like what you get to live in. And it was always that idea when someone pulled into the lot, I came out to see what was going on or, you know, there was someone knocking on the door if they didn't find me at church— and i kind of like the fact that i live away from the church now that that i'm kind of just another person on the street um and and that's okay
0: i i want to share a story when i was early on in my ministry i had it in my head always that you know the place where i work should always be a clean place my office should be a clean place and my office was and i was serving a small congregation my office also served as a sacristy and also served as a place where the uh the financial secretary counted the offering that's where the altar guild got the, everything ready for and
1: if you're doing ministry your desk is never clean
0: yeah the desk is never <laughs> clean and so after worship uh on Sunday one time they they were counting money and of course I had my papers and I tried to keep the the confidential stuff make sure i i I file that away but there's there's their books out commentaries out Greek Bibles out you know things like that that's out there. Did and you catch I,
1: it? He has multiple Greek Bibles.
0: <laughs> multiple Greek <laughs> Bibles. Going back to me saying all the wrong things intending something completely differently. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I apologized to my member. I said, I'm sorry, my desk is such a mess. And he said, well, Pastor, if you had gone out to my shop, my shop is not a mess. I mean, not my shop isn't clean. So it, it helped me to, with that mindset where he, he knew that he was welcomed in this space, he was welcomed in the office, uh, and but he understood that this was actually a place of work, not a not a museum sure. uh, to gaze at and say, "Oh, look at how uh, um how the desk has been uh, lacquered and uh, and polished.
1: But you know, and I think and and just my final comment on that, I think, and this is something that we as leaders in the church should should always strive for, <clears throat> is that um you're never too busy to take five minutes out of your day to talk with one of your with anybody who comes to visit you. Um, maybe you have to schedule more longer conversations, but you always have five minutes. And, and I think we need to get that in our heads and maybe that's what, to, this is maybe the extended conversation of hospitable. I always have five minutes, you know, and, and I've, I've had a table, you know, I've had a table worth of stuff. I'm in the middle of a thought and maybe if I had to just quickly write something down and said, give me one, one second, finish right. that, close my job, but I can give you five.
0: You're, you're always welcome in our house, but don't expect it to be clean.
1: Right. And don't expect me to be able to, if you surprise me, don't expect that I'm going to be able to give you five hours or, or an hour. I, I might only be able to give you a couple of minutes, but that's okay. Um, maybe that's where the conversation goes. All right, let's move on. We, we got to go.
0: Sure. sure. Um, um, now he talks about uh, false teachers and especially those of the circumcision party, the silly circumcision party. What can you give us give us some more history on the circumcision party? Are you up for that? Uh,
1: well, sure. Um, You know, because you know, I got to go back into my information. Circumcision party are are the uh, so s- they're Jews predominantly, but not all Jews, because some of them are are Gentiles who followed the Jewish teaching that that um, Christ came to add to the Old Testament law, and that they still had to fulfill Old Testament law for this new Christianity to be valid. And one of those Old Testament laws was you still had to be circumcised and have this external showing of your faith that you are now in. Whereas, of course, Paul would say, no, um, the circumcision of the heart, baptism, right? Baptism, the circumcision of the heart, faith being worked in us through the word. Um, <clears throat> and so you have these two things that are, are cropping up. Um, and in this case, with Titus— oddly enough, being uncircumcised, is now by fighting against this this upstart, it's not upstart because it's, it's actually very well-established um, group of people. And even, by the way, Peter fell into their, their trap a couple of times, which caused some one contention.
0: Time. One time.
1: One time. But it caused contention, right, yes. between him and Paul. Paul. Yeah. Um,
0: which is mentioned in Galatians, one of Luther's favorite books. Exactly.
1: Which one I avoid. No, I, I don't <laughs> avoid it. I, I don't avoid it, but, but it's, it's that idea of the circumcision group is, is this group that is well established within this fledgling church that says, we agree with everything that Jesus says and does, but, and this is the, I think this is the problem that we have in every church, it's law, gospel, law, and, and that's really a circumcision group, If you wanna, if you want to boil it down, law, gospel, law, law, do this, do this, do this, gospel, but Christ did it, but here's the law again, you have to. Um, And in this case, you have to be circumcised.
0: Yeah, the levels of Christianity kind of thing, which comes up again and again in history, uh, the most recent would be pietism, where, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're not really a Christian unless...
1: You're not Christian enough.
0: Not Christian enough.
1: Right, um, you you're gotta, only one step, Christian.
0: You gotta, yeah, right. Uh, you have to do certain things in order to be really a, a true Christian. And I, I, really appreciate him writing this to Titus because Titus did have that strong confession of faith in Jerusalem. But maybe over time, when he's sitting there in Crete, all by himself, without any other brothers or sister brothers or sisters to, to support him, or other brother pastors to support him, he's the boss in in Crete. That uh, he might feel that they're wearing wearing him down. And might feel like, oh, is this really what God's word says? These guys are all sounding very pious. They're really sounding very biblical. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they're right.
1: So uh, there's there's multiple things I want to say uh, on this section of Titus right now, and and you brought up one of them, so I'm going to start there. I'm taking a course in in Christ of the Old Testament, and and that's sort of been my summer study amongst other things. And and one of the things that is just so beautiful here is when they refer to the scriptures, and when when the New Testament writers refer to the scriptures, they're really talking about the Old Testament. And and Christ Himself says the 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 scriptures talk of me, and and I think you brought that out beautifully, where where Titus is is maybe questioning in himself, am I seeing Christ here in, in these things, and and Paul again reaffir- reaffirming, yes, you are. Because Christ said so, (laughs) yeah, and that was in the beginning of his in the beginning of his his introduction, right? Uh, The truth, who does not lie, you know. Maybe referencing back to the scriptures that you know, they are truth. He does not lie. What is the most important thing? The most important thing is Christ, the Messiah, the the one promised, who is now here. Here he is. There he is for you. Um, moving on from that, though, I, I want to. I I think there's a beautiful juxtaposition that Paul writes to to give Titus some some cool hope and comfort. And and the first comes in that verse 10 where he he talks about the circumcision group and he leads up and he says they're rebellious. So instantly you're like, okay rebel rousers but but i love the i love the what he says next word uh whose words are empty and and i like that idea of of empty words because because it's a direct juxtaposition of what of what implicitly paul is saying to titus your words are full their words are empty your words bring life their words bring nothing um, there's this. There's Even this, if
0: they are more eloquent than you are, Titus.
1: Yes, they might have the flowery speech. They might have the motivation, uh, you know. But when when someone leaves, they left empty. And and and, and so I had just a, a small story. I had a uh, um, a guy I worked with, and he he was Missouri Synod Lutheran, and and uh, and he became Missouri Synod Lutheran um, after leaving. Um, a Reformed congregation, um, one of those big, big churches. And he used to say to me, he said, because I used to say, I said, whatever drew you to the Lutheran Church? Um, and, and this was long ago in my, my history. And he says, he says, uh, he said, Will, he said, those other churches are the, I, I like to call them the Church of the Plastic Smile. You walk in and they tell you all these things that that sound really good. You can do this, and you should do that, and you can live this way, and you have the power to do that. And he said, but when you leave and real life kicks back in, it's, it's, it's that I was smiling there, but it's empty. And, that, and, and, and the words that Paul has given to Titus really, really bring that image back to me, that, that you can be surrounded in a society of people that talk a good talk, and they can say all the right things, but the, what they're really giving to you is empty. Because when you, when you go home and you as an individual, and I believe individuals are smart, I think they are. I think God has given you options and given you a brain to think through things as it trickles down. And as it trickles down, you're left empty as opposed to trickling down and being left with Christ, right? You're left with, here is God for you. Here is Jesus for you. Here is what he has accomplished on your behalf and, and believe it.
0: Those are some really comforting words, especially if you've got me this whole time where my words have been all over the place and I haven't been saying the right thing or I, I mistake myself or misspeak myself. It's a reminder to me that when we're talking about Christ, this is really the words that fill people up. And uh, and it's it's a good encouragement. Thank you very much for, for your words. Just to, the idea of, I, I know there's so, several times when I you get done with a sermon or you get done with a Bible class and you say, I don't know what I was saying there you at know, I, did they did they catch what I was saying, or did, I could have said something that may have sounded uh, differently than what I intended? And God's people leaving there and saying, "You, th- thank you very much, Pastor. Thank you for that, Pastor, because that was good." And and you go, "Why?" And well, because you talked about Jesus, and you, yeah. You made it about Jesus. And a week
1: later, they bring up, "I I really appreciate what you said last week." And you're like, "I don't even remember what I said last week because <laughs> or, I'm already thinking about something else." Or, or they
0: come back. <laughs> they come back next week, right? <laughs>
1: Isn't that a humbling experience? Sorry, for every pastor who ever uh, steps into the pulpit or steps in front and and, and leads worship, and you look out and you see the people who keep returning, and they're older than you, (laughs) and you think to yourself not my words but yours oh Christ <laughs> because and 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 that's the truth because what we share are not my words because my words are empty and my words are hollow because I can't back them up I have I have nothing um and and what a what a good encouragement to Titus these these people who try to look to their own efforts and to look to their own rebellious nature and say look at look at look at do this do this because I can do this they're empty they they they're just literally empty um instead here's Christ right um and and i'm going to say i'm going to say these words i'm going to say these words to you dear listener and i'm going to say these words to my to the congregation on sunday and i'm going to say these words to to my own self and say these words today you're forgiven which means you needed something to be forgiven of which means you're a failure so no matter what you try to do it's going to be empty until you're filled with christ who has taken it away so
0: well said. Yep, church is not a country club filled with people who got everything together. No, it's a, a triage, a triage of a hospital. Yeah, and I like after he sp- sp- uh, after Paul says to Titus, you know, this is a big deal. You need to deal deal with this decisively. Uh, speak, you know, stop them from saying things or correct them sharply. So he's telling Titus, this is not a an, a, an opportunity for you to be necessarily be gentle or understanding but they are taking away christ from these people by with their flowery words you've got to stand up for christ at the same time he says all of that in verse 15 he says all things are pure to those who are pure so this whole idea of circumcision if somebody chose to be circumcised just because or their own reasoning they could that that's pure That that's the, this it's circumcision itself is an evil it's what people are using circumcision for if they're using circumcision to say i'm a better christian than you are then it's impure if someone does it out of their free choice okay they're doing it they're doing it for whatever their reasons are but it doesn't make them any more righteous in god's sight because they went through that um well you get the ritual.
1: you you get the idea actually and 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 I was just thinking about this as you're talking you're getting this idea that these circumcision group view them and, and this follows your line of thought they view themselves better than the the natural people of of Crete and they say we have to change you you have to do this you have to conform to what we want you to do because right now what are you he says you are liars you're vicious beasts and you're lazy gluttons and so now you have to and that's that their false teaching you have to live like us you have to do what we do you have to conform to what we want you to conform to so that you are now different and 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 the 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 converse of that is that's not true the converse of that is is um, you need to correct this false way of teaching because what makes us different is Christ. Christ makes us different, and and what is what you are doing in life if you are in Christ is good. That's what you're saying, right? If it's in Christ, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. And if you're not in Christ, no matter what anybody else perceives, it's bad. It it it's it, it's not to your benefit. It is a it is a bad thing. Um, Heidelberg Disputation. The Heidelberg Disputation, Paul talks about this, um, in, in extensively that that the Luther the, talks about. that. Sorry, about yeah, Heidelberg Luther. System. Yes, Heidelberg Disputation. Luther talks about it, where he says he says uh, the the very worst sins are the good things that we thought we did on our account, right? Um, the 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 very things that we said, oh, but I I know I did I failed in this, but I did this really well. That's the worst sin. That that because because you and your in your unbelief have defiled something that could have been pure in Christ which is the attempt to live as God's chosen people with his strength, and you fail to do it, and then you thought you did it, and now it becomes the worst thing. Um, and and that, to our mind, is like, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. But but that's what he's saying, right? He says all things, all things are pure, right, for those who are pure.
0: But if your minds and consciences are just, uh, corrupted, then doesn't Nothing matter is, what you do.
1: Yep, nothing's pure. Nothing's pure.
0: So this is, I mean, we could the, the whole idea of all things are pure to those who are pure has a whole section that Paul talks about when he talks in, uh, is that in Romans, where he talks about sacrifice, meat, sacrifice to idols. He says, he summarizes all of that in one verse, all things are pure to those who are pure. And, yeah. that, and it's an encouragement for us as well is, if if we as a church are obsessed with the outward actions and the outward obedience of certain individuals or if we're if we're focused on what they're wearing or how they're presenting themselves in church um we're focusing on the wrong thing all things are pure if we're if we're looking at someone's conduct we say well that person goes to the bar on friday and i don't go to the bar and say that that person's less of a christian than you just because of that activity you've got yourself in the wrong mindset now obviously Abuse of alcohol is an issue, but that just going to a bar on a Friday isn't necessarily equals abuse of alcohol.
1: And, and I would say that, and, and, and this is a for a further conversation, and I know it's on our docket that we're going to talk about this um, later, maybe even this year, but, but I think you have a good indication of, of um, what Titus is, is linking, because he's talking about the circumcision group that are heavily, heavily law, 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 Old Testament law specifically what we would call old testament law messianic law um and i think paul is referencing here when he when he talks about pure he he's he's uh he's bringing up the concept just like the writer to the hebrews does to send us back to leviticus to send us back to sacrificial 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 God proclaiming you to be pure, not you doing something to make yourself pure. that you know the book of Leviticus is is look how impossible it is to make yourself pure unless unless God himself, Leviticus 19, right uh, be be holy as the Lord, your God is holy. He doesn't say become holy, work towards being holy. He pronounces you are holy because the Lord has as holy and has pronounced you to be holy. Um, you are my people now. and so doesn't matter what you're doing. What matters is what God has made you, and now you are. So live in what you are.
0: And just for some inside baseball, Will has in, has been talking about the book of Leviticus for a long time. Like you can't wait for us to go through Leviticus. So I'm so pleased that you found Leviticus and Titus. So now Titus should be, you know, kind of inching up in your in your favorite books there because it mentions Leviticus. There you go, but um. but so does Ephesians. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, um, verse sixteen. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. That it's a it's a the nice, very short, crisp statement of what what's going on here with these uh, Jewish, um, the silly circumcision party. They think that they are in the know. They think that they know uh, more than you do, Titus. But um, their actions are actually denying what God has done. So
1: is it Malachi, Old Testament Malachi? Um. 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 I desire a true and contrite heart, not sacrifice. Um,
0: I desire mercy, not
1: sacrifice. Mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, which one is? It's Old Testament where, um, where, where he says, "I did not desire, I did not desire sacrifice, but a true and contrite heart."
0: Yeah. So, brownie points, dear listener, if you come up to either one of us and tell us what uh, reference are we talking about? Because yeah, I can
1: look it up on Google.
0: But, but it would be more fun. Right <laughs> <laughs> more fun if the dear listeners just came up to came up to Will and just gave him a, a chapter and verse, and uh, to see if uh, uh, if we catch uh, what's going on here.
1: But but I think that I think the point is is that Paul is refer- referencing back throughout this entire first section to to and maybe and maybe it's because of my class I'm I'm starting to look at lenses through the Old Testament and say say that, you know, really we have commentary on the Old Testament in the New Testament as the Spirit is, is building this wonderful um, um, words of grace for us. But you have the concepts of, of what are in, what is really fleshed out and taught in the Old Testament that they forgot, which is not about the law. It's all about grace. It's not about what you do, but what God has given to you through Christ. It's about what the work of the Messiah is all built in the Old Testament. Paul then comes back and says, it's still the same. It's not about what you do. It's about what God makes you. It's not about it's not about um, this rule, that rule, and and how you keep it. But it's about what God has enabled for you to live in, as He has fulfilled all things for you. Um, and and you see that over and over and over again. They claim to know God. If you knew God, this this wouldn't be an issue. It, but it's an issue because you don't know, and everything you do is is shallow and empty.
0: And it is it's no small point. To deny Christ. Uh, even Jesus talks about that. And they said, well, we, Jesus, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? And yet you are sending us to hell? And Jesus said, yeah, you are evildoers um, because you deny me.
1: Right. Uh, um. And I think a really good statement, and I've heard this before, if Christ is implied, he is denied. So if you are living your life where where you're afraid to say Jesus, you've denied him. And, and and here's here's the ta- here's a takeaway on just that comment. In our society, we 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 give it a consolation prize when someone says, "Well, I believe in God." That that's not a consolation prize. It's not. Oh, do I believe in God? It is. Do I believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? It was um uh, it was C.S. Lewis, right, who said, um, "No matter what in his mere Christianity, uh, everyone eventually will have to come down to." How do, you view Christ? How do you view Christ? He is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Right? Pick one. How I, I believe in God. Go to Christ. How do you view Christ? Because 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 anybody and everybody can say I believe in God. Guess what? The devil does too. He knows he exists. How do you view Christ? Because Christ is the one. Christ is the key. Um, Christ is is and if you view him as a lunatic, if you view him as a liar, if you don't view him as Lord, then you're done. The end of story. It uh, doesn't matter.
0: So, are we ready to wrap up? You want to say some final words, and I'll wrap it up, or do you want me to say my final words first?
1: My final words on this entire uh, my my final words on this, like I said, is is this is the first time I've had an opportunity to talk about the Book of Titus, and I'm kind of excited to do that. Not because it's necessarily hands down my favorite book but I'll be honest with you I've never had a chance to release sit down and discuss it so you may might change my opinion but but there's such links here as Paul is is giving confidence and and building up um his brother uh, Titus that says, you know what you you have every right to stand firm. And and I think this is where the takeaway is. And so I say to my dear brothers and sisters who are listening, as you are in the world where people are going to look down on Christ, they're going to look down on you because you follow Christ and they're going to say, But you should, but you should. To 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 stand firm and saying, No, Christ did. Christ did it for me. And and I am secure in that. That was my final thoughts.
0: My final thought is that we talk about Titus. I was reading in the People's Bible on Titus, and they called Titus the troubleshooter. And I really kind of like that idea of Titus, the guy who is, who is z- settled in his doctrine but also needs encouragement. We all need encouragement in God's Word to, to make it always about Christ because that's how we live in our lives, our real life of living faith.